I haven't seen my, The Sopranos. My all-time favorite episode of The Sopranos with Junior is the one where they shit on him because he likes to eat pussy. <laughs> they call him gay. Yeah, they, yeah, they're like, yeah, they call him gay. They, they like mock him. Oh, that's great. And he like broke up with that girl like afterwards. Yes. Oh man, that was so funny. You basically got your dick in my mouth. Yeah, the funniest the funniest thing is like the way that goes both ways. Like, there's the guy that get that gets caught sucking dick, but before they find out he was sucking dick and not getting his dick sucked by a guy, they're like, "Oh well, I mean, like, yeah. got some guy to do this to him." Like, <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's yeah, pretty- and then they find out he was sucking a guy's dick. They're like, "Whoa, yeah. <laughs> no, Jesus. he's got to go." It's Yo, man, gay. that's that's not funny. I don't get the joke. Yeah, <laughs> I think they might literally say that. <laughs> I'm drunk a little bit on cookie dough that I ate before coming up here. My kids, like at the last minute, are like both of them were like, "We're having parties tomorrow. Can you can like you make us cookies?" And I'm like, <laughs> so "I'm you're like a- fucking party, and you spike the cookie dough." Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking eighty proof. I made the strongest weed cookies I've ever made one day for and the kids. Them, like, Damn, yeah. And I had a dinner party, and I don't remember, like, my kids weren't even in the house. Uh-huh. And it ended up with, like, I was unable to do anything. And, like, thank God Daniel's, like, girlfriend at the time was there. I, the, I'm still friends with this one. And mm. she was, like, and she was, like, helping me, like, be host, basically, because I was so stoned. I couldn't do anything. And she, like, smokes way more weed than me. So she, like, was mm. fine. And, like, I smoke weed almost every day. So it, I don't know. How, she just smokes weed all day yeah. long. I would hate to have that type of tolerance. I mean, I, I do have that type of tolerance and it sucks. <laughs> it, it costs so much money. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. If I lived in California and you could just buy like as much as you wanted and like any amount and any concentration mm. level. Yeah. But yeah, I made them so yeah, strong good. and and like then Daniel ended up throwing up because he has a he has a THC allergy, but he had been oh. okay with an edible one time, but not these edibles. And he's never, and he's never touched um, any sort of marijuana since. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't blame him. Is he yeah, sure it's then, THC and not like a CBD specifically? And so then my other friend, like the the people I invited, there were scared to take it, and and then like I was like, no, you take this to go. And, and like he started eating it before he left, and he's like, uh. I'm not feeling anything. Rookie and mistake. Like, yeah. And then he like, and so then he left and he was like, and he was worried. And he said, I'm going to send you a text about to ask if Daniel's okay uh-huh. when I get home. And he never texted me <laughs> until the next, <laughs> until the next morning. And he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's, That's the one like thing it. about alcohol. It's like the worst drug, but when you drink it, you know, you're getting drunk. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty yeah. quick. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've like I've done that with like yeah it's true with every other like with pretty much every other drug there's been yes. a period of like nah, I'm not feeling it and it's been like oh, five minutes yeah I meant to send <laughs> like, you a you know, hard like, I like I took I took like fucking four tabs of acid and it's like nope <laughs> <laughs> take <laughs> more oh, yeah, 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 give me some more yeah and then like half an hour later like I lost my ass oh my god 
Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I found it. It was, okay. it was, it was still on me. I just, you know, I couldn't no, feel it for I, a second. I saw an article that reminded me of Brandon because I would never do a cocaine or upper anything, but there was one that said, it said death of ego re- caused oh. by. Oh, you saw that? The, uh, the hard times, the yes. um, death of ego caused by acid, uh, reborn through uh, cocaine binge or something. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like I don't like cocaine. That is too much ego. It's I can't do. I don't know. Yeah, people it's do death, cocaine it's like death it's by pot. ego. Yeah, people do cocaine like it's pot, and I would it's... never do cocaine. Oh, you like, like all the it's, time. It's so gross. It's so gross. Yeah, you don't want to end up like Artie yeah. Lang. Remember that I showed you the picture oh, of Artie Jesus Lang? Christ, God. Oh man, well, like he's like he snorted like like whole live porcupines up that fucking thing. Like I'm surprised his whole face hasn't collapsed. Like I his whole his uh, like every hole in his head is just one deviated septum. I, there have been some celebrities where I like I remember the first celebrity that I thought this person is not living well, they're gonna die was the um Andy Scott Dick? Wyland of Stone oh, Temple Pilots. Oh really? I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. What? And then like, but Artie Lang is one of those people that like I thought would <laughs> what, I thought what, would die. What tips you off of Scott Wilde? Is like, oh yeah, man, these lyrics make no sense. This guy's fucking like living I mean, on the edge. Like he was like music. always in the news. Oh, okay, oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And it was like, and it was like, you know, I feel like when all of your band leaves you because you're such a piece of shit, then you like, and you're so addicted to drugs, then like you don't really have it together. Yeah. 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 I saw him live once. Oh, you saw the just, I just remembered that. Yeah, I saw the oh my, gosh. my God, I didn't like. I didn't like it. No, of you didn't like not. it. I no, they're they're they they're not my thing though. So like, I, okay. I'm sure if you were like, you they know, were there to cash in were, on like audio slave. <laughs> yeah, if you were into like Guns and Roses and stuff, which I'm not, or like like Stone Temple Pilots, which I'm not, like you probably would have done like you know, it probably would have been like. Those of us were like the cream of the crop of like the mediocre grunge bands. I thought. <laughs> Like I like stone bands pilots. that weren't from like Seattle. Yeah. No, well, no, no, I wouldn't say that because I, 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 I think the best LA grunge band would was L Seven. But my, I have a, I have another feeling about a celebrity who I think will die soon, but I'm afraid to say it because if it comes true, I'm gonna feel like shit. All right, well, if you're not gonna say it, then edit out all the, the, the stuff. No, I said no, about I'll say it. It's uh, okay. Bam Mar- Margera. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He just got fifty-one fifty again. Uh yeah. And yeah, and like Lamar fucking Odom, who like nearly died on a crazy drug bender, like was like, I will take you personally to my treatment center. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he didn't uh he didn't really peak in time for uh what was that show? Dr. Drew Celebrity Rehab. Oh jeez. Oh, Dr. Drew is an anti vaxxer crazy person now. Oh, I'm sure he's. He, yeah. I remember watching yeah. him on Jimmy Kimmel or something like 20 years ago, talking about how um, marijuana is worse for you than heroin. Just heroin's more addictive. So he would sit, but he would say that like he'd be less worried about his kids doing heroin than weed. Okay. <laughs> and like, and if you look at his that's track a ma- that's record, that's a fucking like mad scientist response. <laughs> his like celebrity track record is so bad too. Lots of his people have like died. Yeah. You know, oh, who yeah. one of his biggest clients was Andy Dick. Andy Dick is 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 like fucked. I don't know what's going on in his life, but like, no, I yeah, yeah. I was on um the podcast. Eric Roberts is the fucking man doing the second half of the season of uh celebrity rehab when Eric Roberts was on. And Eric Roberts was there for weed, but all they talk- yeah, but all they talked about was his anger problems. And 
the thing the main thing they talked about was his stepson um was like they had an intervention with like a stepson and interviewed his stepson like they're making a big deal about like how abusive he is to his stepson and he's Uh like his stepson was like yeah i was out in the garage the one night playing music really loud like he was like in a band or whatever Mm -hmm. and they were playing really loudly and then Eric Roberts came out and he was just like screaming at him and he was so angry. And he's like, and I just took like a baseball bat and I just beat him into the ground and he was still yelling at me. And then like, this was the story about how bad Eric Roberts is. And like, Jesus Christ, poor kid. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's some, Yelling that's at some... being too loud. I guess yeah. my dad should be in jail. What yeah. Kind of, you you should have beat him with a baseball bat. Apparently. What kind of fucking weed did he have where he was like surviving a baseball bad attack still yelling like <laughs> I don't know. that's fucking dude got lifted it was also weird it's like how are you on here for weed but your issue but the issue when it's talk about is anger issues like the one thing yeah that weed the... like kind of helps like yeah like oh well, man like you're you've been fucking angry since you got into this rehab program and stop doing weed you really got to stop doing that weed yeah i don't even get it because like how, if he's like that high like how's he even have like the memory to stay angry about anything <laughs> while he's high I'm trying to think of the angriest I've ever been on weed, and it's uh, it's pretty minimal. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, fuck, I, got, I, I asked for curly fries, man. I yeah. really <laughs> have a hard time on the curly fries. Oh, these, are, these are pretty good, though. Yeah. And then that's it, you know? Yeah, how do you have the detention span to be angry about anything for more than 30 seconds? <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah. Man, well, now he says his headphones are broken, but he's finding another pair. I don't know. What if what if he doesn't come or it like it doesn't work out? I mean, we just do another hour episode where we just bullshit, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we have a pretty good start on the drugs. Yeah. Always with the drugs. I don't even use headphones. Y'all do. I should it like if we like I did the time that we were uh interviewing uh Mickey Reese. I wanted to Mm. be more professional. And I also was in a different room. (laughs) Like I, I it, in like Daniel has like a podcast set up with like a mic and everything. Uh, Wait, why don't you use that normally? <laughs> it's such an uncomfortable chair. I guess I could. That'd be that'd be really weird. Like I'm barely coming in, and there's like fucking hiss on my voice, and like Jennifer sounds like fucking uh, Cherry Glazer in NPR. <laughs> Cherry Glazer. Oh that my god. Thing? What's that? Wait, Cherry not the band, not the band, the, the I was lady. Say, yeah, that's, that's a lady, lady in NPR. Yeah, it's a late there. It's a lady that they're named after. Oh, they're named after a, uh, uh, some talking lady on NPR. There's also a band named after uh, Terry Gross, I think. I don't. I don't know. Is it called? Are they called Terry Gross? I think so, but I think it's like all ex NPR like engineers and stuff too. Oh, okay. Oh, hey, you have a real setup too. Wow. Well, oh, and like a board background, like a professional board background. You can see all my crap. <laughs> well, I. This is. Oh, and he knows. And unlike us, he knows that if somebody else talks, that you're not supposed to talk over them. Which yeah, I'm the that. worst one. So. <laughs> no, we're well, like Slayer. I, I, I used I used to have a podcast uh, a little like few years ago um, before we had only, but um, and so I bought a lot of stuff, and uh, I've recorded a few podcasts on my new job, but I don't bust this out very often. So I got everything set up and I couldn't hear anything. I'm like, what's going on? They're like sure brand, very nice headphones. And it appears that my cat uh, chewed through them 
He's, uh, I should take that back. My wife and daughter's cat, whom I protested. Oh, that's like the wife and daughter, uh, too, through them. That's what I thought. Blame the cat. <laughs> okay. Well, so let me yeah. introduce. Well, your cat has, uh, has, has good taste, clearly. <laughs> discerning. Yes. Discerning power. Right. Okay. Well, let's. Um, sorry, I don't mean to keep interrupting you. Um, I'm good to okay, go. That's okay. Let's... You can do that here. <laughs> that's true. Um, so we're talking to, oh my God, is it Noel or Noel? I've no, it's Noel, but you, you know, all the other church of God branches of my family go by Noel, but okay. I, I have broken away. I'm a, I'm a separate branch and, uh, I go by Noel. That's what we do. I like that. Way, yeah, people know how to spell it. If you say Noel. So I thought your name was Brandon. Yeah. Jennifer keeps saying it, keeps going back and forth whenever she refers to you. I'm two different. Oh, people. I do. Yeah, <laughs> I've never heard. I've never heard Noel. I heard oh, at least once or twice. Oh, 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 oh Brandon just... Noel. Oh, okay, Brandon. Okay. Brandon that was like Noel. your Pope name. Like um, Christmas. I, 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 I thought that was like you started a church. Like you had a church. Like the no. The, oh, the I did that once. I, oh. no, I did that once. But was it the Church of Brandon? <laughs> people don't really go to the Church of Brandon, in my experience. <laughs> no, I was uh, I I was I got my credentials in the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee. Mm. Where I'm, he's from the same denomination as me. We met like I think bitching about this denomination. Nice. The, the algorithm fed me Jennifer's content, and uh, <laughs> then uh, eventually became internet friends. You know, awesome. What's this about starting your own church though? <laughs> so I went I went through the the denomination's credentialing program when I was eighteen. Oh, wow. And uh, I started my own church um, because I think all future, like, uh, people who leave or, you know, ex-evangelicals, whatever you want to call that, whatever the phrase is, I don't know which one I go by, um, but uh, I don't really think about it. But if whatever you want to call it, I think a lot of us start out thinking the solution is I should have my own church. The reason I have hmm. all these ideas and the reason i i ever i always run up against people in these conflicts about theology and whatnot is mm -hmm. because god's calling me to like do my own thing and start my own church and most of those people should do it because nothing dispels that myth faster than doing that and very quickly realizing that if you've grown up in the church like i did and your pat mm -hmm. your dad's pastor and your your granddad's a pastor and your great granddad was a pastor that all you know how to do is have church Mm -hmm. And that you can't really bring, at least for me, I, what I learned from that experience was that I could not bring something that I did not possess to the con. All I knew how to do was this thing, despite having all these other uh, thoughts and whatnot. So it failed in about 10 months. We ran a church for about 10 months in Kent, Ohio. Then I turned over the keys and was like, peace out. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> We, yeah. uh, we we left we left that. So how do you? It was rough. I, I've always I've actually wondered about this for a while because when I worked on the Hillary campaign, not that I liked her, but whatever, it was twenty sixteen. It's okay, bro. I, it's all right. You can love her. It's, yeah, it's a safe. This is a safe place. I think. No, not with Brandon. No, no, we don't. No, no. Um, His uh, no. Rob's contrition is correct here. No, I mean, what Brandon was actually here when I made the decision I was going to join her campaign uh, and quit yeah. my job that I hated. But uh, one of my best volunteers was actually this woman uh, who uh, 
was part was like one of like four people joining this pastor or something that was forming his own church i never heard about that and they didn't have like a location yet or anything they were just sort mm-hmm. of like meeting at a house or something and she was talking about how difficult it is to start a church and um what did you actually like what what is the process there to start a church you mentioned the keys like so you had your own building and everything yeah, so this is, a, this is a, I'm going to try to condense this into the super uh, elevator version. Go as long um, as you the, want. I'm very curious. <laughs> okay, well, so my family has a lot of connections in the Church of God in in Ohio, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of family members in in positions and pastors of other churches and whatnot. And I had that kind of as a uh, let's what's the word a privilege, right? You know that I at least had that kind of backing. Nepotism. Yeah, church nepotism, you want to call it. But I was kind of which is fine, I think, in Christianity. Come on. But of I mean I mean, God sent his son, right, to be savior. Mm -hmm. He didn't send his someone else, right? Yeah, who can you trust? Who can you trust? (laughs) Your flesh and blood. So I I think that ultimately um I was the black sheep though of all of my other cousins and people who have like stayed in things. Uh, I mean the rest of that family, especially now, thinks uh that I've you know, gone off the trail into hell, but uh, Jennifer knows what I'm talking about, right? You know, yeah. it's, it's it's a difficult struggle that our family members think that way about us. Um, but anyway, during the time I had gone through the training and I had been talking about it for a long time. And uh, essentially I had gone to the administration, if you will, for the, for the, like the, you know what a denomination is? Like it's a group of churches a network. Yeah. You know, think of it like a podcast network, but you right. know, they take people's money uh, without mm-hmm. the like give backs of uh, Patreon and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, start taking people's money. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it, it, and I had wanted to start a church and I didn't have a location. I didn't have a church, but because of the network, there was a building in Kent, Ohio, which is a college town um, that wasn't doing so well. Like they had like, I think, 12 people attending the church and half of those people were the pastor's family. Um, and, and there was a small one church building. I went and looked at it and they said, you know, you can start having services here on a different night if you would like to. And I was like, OK, like, let's do that. Like, uh-huh. we'll start having our services here. So we started a church with the blessing of the administration. On a day that's I not had gone Sunday? The, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, on a day that's not that? Sunday? Yeah, just do it on a day that's not Sunday because, and we didn't want to do it on Sunday anyway. So we were like, huh. "Cool, that that's what we'll do." Now, Wait, here's why did what you want to do it on Sunday? <laughs> because that's a shit day to do it. <laughs> really, I never it's heard shit. that. It's a shit day to do it. Nobody want. I don't want to get up on Sunday mornings and and do church. I would rather do it like I'm like an evening person. Let's do it on a Saturday night oh, or a yeah, Thursday like, night or something. These huh. cool house churches are like small churches. I know. My church was actually, they have their own building now, but we were the host of another church who did the same thing as what Brandon did, where they would come and have like meetings on like Mondays when our church people weren't there. So yeah. Like a punk rock residency at the venue. Yes, DIY <laughs> venue. Yeah, yeah. Like a tap yeah. takeover. Wednesday you know? night is our night. We own this shit. <laughs> so we, we, but what I didn't know is that they really wanted this guy gone from um, this. He had, mm. And when we got to, before we had our first service, um, we went into like clean because the place was, you know, you've seen like episodes of Hoarders, right? So like this was if Hoarders, but it was a church. 
And my daughter was not yet one years old at the time. And like, we needed to like have a nursery, like, and they had one, but it had not been used in centuries. So like we had a work day at these people's church. Right. And we had told them we were coming to like clean, you know, Mm. but uh, we like were cleaning and they were pissed. Uh, And that was the beginning. Well, they just took it as like we were coming in and like, you know, overstepping ourselves. Rearranging the newspaper piles. (laughs) We were, we were, we have a system. Yeah. Yeah. And again, to make a long story short, uh, it it became like an upping of pressure, like intentions until that guy was like, well, I'm going to quit. And they were like, give us your resignation. Like, and I think that we unknowingly were used as a pawn in this like thing to kind of push this guy out because I can't really think of, you know, they gave me a building and there are people now that I'm in my mid late thirties. I know now that there are people who wait for church buildings and look for church for long periods of time. And it wasn't just the nepotism. It was like, this is a convenience thing. We can kind of use this. Mm. We spent half of the time that we were a church physically remodeling the building, tearing stuff out. We repainted, we put up new drywall and we had a lot of energy. A lot of young church plants have that. They had a lot of energy, a lot of people wanting to volunteer their time. I was working a job at the factory, which I know this is a good segue into what you guys wanted to talk about. I was working a job at a steel. (laughs) Well, I was working a job at a steel factory in Warren, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Then after that, I was driving from Warren to Kent, which is a 45, 50 minute drive. And then working till nine or 10 o'clock on remodeling stuff. And sometimes people would meet me there. And what really led to the end of all this is that doing that, I was in a young marriage with a less than a one-year-old and it was a bad idea. It was just like, we didn't spend any time together. And it's like, we're young and we were fresh and married and we had this new baby. And it was just a bad recipe, man. And Mm -hmm. having watched my parents' marriage get totally destroyed by ministry, uh, as soon as I caught a whiff of that, that's when I was like, I don't care about this. Like, sure, I, don't care yeah. about this. I don't care about this at all. So, um, but we had, we had a, we had one of the largest first services of a church plant in the state's history. Um, wow. We had, we had 60 people come to our first mm-hmm. service. Holy shit. And that is like Jeez. unheard of. We had, we had such a large offering that my uh, grandmother, who was the secretary of the state, like uh, of the the state offices, so so I'm talking about nepotism, right? My grandmother ran. She's she's passed away now, but when she was there, she actually called me to make sure that the numbers had been in- verified properly because we had such a large offering per number of people who came that it like blew away their statistics. And a lot of that is because young. I'm I'm kind of charismatic. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I sure. can get people. Yeah. I can get people energized about yeah, stuff. Yeah, you you don't have to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> and and the thing is, is like I think the ideas were there. Like we really were genuinely excited about doing something different, and we thought we were going to. And I was just way out of my league. I mean, I was twenty two, almost twenty three. I was my so god, far, so far out of my <laughs> league, dude. My god, um, yeah, it was. Uh, I had and I had done pastoring under people from the time I finished the schooling at 18. Hmm. So like it was wasn't that I had just gone from that to nothing. And I had spent my whole life in church and ministry and stuff. Yeah. But 
still, but still my god I, my yeah, i remember how like idea. soft and fleshy my brain was at 22 like yeah, I, I wasn't I, doing I be able to hold together a <laughs> congregation i didn't move out till 22 <laughs> i well i don't want to like put i don't want to put too much of a cherry on this and make it a little like uh saccharine right like but eventually the dream of what i wanted to do came true yeah um which is that like we called our church the name of our church was with no walls like that was the concept the irony being that we were doing it in a building right that's that's a stupid irony (laughs) it was my it was my catchy little name but like the dream i had and i told people was that like i don't think that the church has should exist here like i think that this is like a cool place where we can hang Mm -hmm. out but this shouldn't be where it happens and whatnot and what's funny is that a few years back uh, there's a place I like to hang out is my best friend's cigar shop. Okay. Hey. And I spent a lot of time there. He's my best, my best friend's place or whatever. And a few years back, um, when we had, after we had started this poetry group and all of this ties together, like we started a poetry mm-hmm. group, a poetry reading. We started this nonprofit. We started doing literary events. Then we eventually start only like all this stuff happens. But when we were just like a reading group, we were just sitting together, friends reading poetry and after a few years, I had people go like, hey, you used to be a pastor. Would you do our wedding? And I was like, hey, OK. And like so eventually I kind of became the de facto minister of this cigar bar and hangout. <laughs> oh, and, shit. And you're, like a, you're, was, like a, you're like a side character in Cheers. That's amazing. It, it, well, it was wild, like because when I was doing the first wedding, because I, I think I've done six now, but um and they're all from this place. Like, and I thought like, well, actually the, the vision came true. Like what I uh, wanted to do was to be a pastor of a church that didn't yeah. really have walls. And I get to be that for people who would never set foot in the church. Yeah. Like, and most of them never have and never will. And, but like they come to me and let me be that person for them, that role. And I'm like, to me, much more satisfying than if that That's had succeeded. Awesome. A lot of romance yeah. happening in cigar bars, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That sounds Wow. I've never have I been to a cigar bar. I've been to who I'm more of a hookah, hookah, hookah. Oh, bar. that's just where you get an STD. There's a last in marriage just happening at a hookah bar. Jennifer, you need to come up to Ohio and see Havana House is like Olney's incubator. I mean, like only wouldn't exist without it. So like it, it's kind of like home base. What um were you preaching? Because I'm I'm curious how this is gonna segue into the cigar um, thing because it sounds like it does. Like what like what was your you've mentioned? I wasn't preaching. I mean, I wasn't preaching anything at the cigar bar. Like I was just being friends with people, and eventually my backstory, you know, as you talk to yeah. people, it just came up. They so were they, they were they were calling you. Oh, that's the minister over there. Like the right. minister. What are you calling that? Oh, he's a yeah. minister. Yeah, it, exactly. And then I was running this poetry group, and you know, my the things I write about often bleed from my past experiences you know what i mean and then people what we write about my religious trauma right jennifer mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. then, oh, man. And, and then other people would go oh my gosh me too i have tons of that religious trauma and then we would commiserate on it and so you know that's how those things built over years you know it didn't happen yeah. right away what were you uh but i mean like what was the message you were trying to get across though because you uh because you mentioned uh, when I was 22 or like what like, I would preach now. Well, like, I mean, I guess like what, what distinguished like, like what distinguished you from like the old, like, uh, the, the like the church that the that the hoarder church. Right. So the, it's like the, the arc that you have here. It's, it feels like you're establishing some sort of arc in in your personal well, feelings from about. Oh, religion you should and everything. you should know that Rob and Brandon aren't really like 
ex-evangelicals at no, all. Yeah, like, we don't know nothing. <laughs> well, so let me. I saw the Ten be, Commandments once. Well, I'll, I'll be tra- I'll be transparent with you. In retrospect, the core of my message wasn't entirely different, and that was part of the problem. Mm. Is that I saw most of what I saw myself as doing different was just how I wanted to do it, but the core of it hadn't oh, evolved. Okay. It's like the British though, invasion, just doing so little... you know, more like engagement <laughs> with like engagement, like bringing more people in, or like just like how, like how do you how to run a church more than like yeah, well, what, like me... the philosophy you're espousing. I had different philosophies, and and, oh, okay. and actually, and actually, one of the things that was one of the biggest sticking points, and I was told not to talk about it was that i was like listen you know i'm i'm uh, what they call affirming even at, even when i was 22 i was like you know i don't i don't i don't know if you guys know like that terminology like affirming meaning like no. christians christians often delineate themselves versus like affirming people are like they embrace the lgbtq community oh, okay. and non-affirming people they don't like they like versus, what do they call them say, just non-affirming uh, like that's, they call themselves bigots. they call themselves <laughs> Christians. Um, okay. yeah. Yeah. And you and your heretics and <laughs> yeah, it that was probably the only real divergent thing that I believed from the rest okay. of the mainline people at the time. But I was told to like keep that quiet. Like even though I you know I didn't want to like necessarily like betray that confidence mm. or that feeling. Um, eventually, that would have led to my expulsion anyway. Like just knowing the church. So like no matter what, eventually that would have been the ticking time bomb. Um, now it would be a whole different podcast to talk about like why I don't really align myself with the church anymore at all. Like, but my faith is still a thing that I, I continue to explore and continue to um, learn and, and, and for personal reasons and personal, you know, and with yeah, my family. Absolutely. But like, it's, it really doesn't resemble that uh, at all anymore. But mm. that's like a whole. That's like a whole different thing. That's for sure. Yeah, I, it, it would it would be so boring for your listeners. They'd be like, "Shut this guy up." Well, I don't know. Our listeners are mostly us. So yeah, I mean that's the, and, that, that's, and that's how, that that does sound interesting. We, we're three out of love, thirty here, so we love loss of faith. We yeah yeah yeah. We're constantly searching for meaning. But I am I'm always curious though, especially with Jennifer's friends, um, because. There's sort of a lot of allusions to it. Do you then believe in God and do you believe in like the Jesus story and all that then? So I, I look at it, I'll answer that in two ways, right? Okay. There's because you asked, do I believe in God and do I believe in the Jesus story? Um yeah. firstly, um I I believe in God in an in an insistent way, not an existent way. And I'll just I'll distinguish with those two things how they're different. Thank I you. don't believe that God exists. <laughs> Okay. okay. And most okay. people get into that question, right? Does God exist? Mm-hmm. I don't believe so because the definition of an existent thing is a chair, right? If mm-hmm. I can see it, if I can yeah. touch it, if I died and all of the human race went with me, that chair will still be there, even if mm-hmm. the human race ceases to be. Mm-hmm. That's an existent quality. Okay. God does not possess an existent quality by that definition, but he does insist. Okay. And an insistent quality is like, language all right language is not something you can touch or hold in your hand and if and i and i don't mean an alphabet but language which is spoken between humans mm-hmm. so if humanity ceases to exist the language also ceases to ex- it's no yeah. longer there but it doesn't rob it of power 
or influence right. or or anything over the human experience or the universe itself. It is an insi- God is an yeah. insistent creature or an insistent okay. entity. So, you know, I don't like, so oh, usually you didn't ask that though, which is funny. Most people say, do you believe God exists? And I go, no. And then they're like, what? Then I get sure. to tell that little spiel. But, <laughs> but to put it that way, so I believe that we are interfacing, interacting in our daily lives with an insistent entity um, mm-hmm. that is as engaged in our experience. Um, there's a great uh, theologian whose name is going to uh, escape, John Caputo. Uh, he's a great right. theologian. And he says it's the call before the call or the call beyond the call, mm-hmm. meaning like when we are using language, we're pulling on like a resource in our brain of like where all that language is. Mm-hmm. But then also when we use it, we're kind of shaping it contextually. And there's this constant interplay between my thinking of language and yours. And we're talking like this kind of fluid interaction, right? Yeah. And he describes God's interaction with us the same way that like, if we all laid down and decided we're not going, he uses this in, in uh, one of his books that if we all laid down the whole human race and we just said, we're going to lay down and we're not going to eat, we're not going to drink. We're just going to lay down and die unless God does something. We would all die. Sure. There's not going to be a miraculous event that would suddenly save us all. Right. I'm doing that. So the, he describes God as this thing that like our interaction is God working in the universe. Like just like language. Does in this way. Yeah. I find so, that that works for me as a way to uh, interact and relate to the divine. So would you, would you, uh, it sounds to me that like, uh, it, by that definition and, and, uh, let me know, uh, if, if I'm, if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like God can be described sort of as like a, um, like a construct, like a social construct almost like if it, it, it's, it's fed into by the people who believe it. And it's, 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 uh, we the, are God, the idea of God, say. like, yeah, like it, it exists and it, and it, it adapts and it evolves through the participation of people. You are 100% correct, but I'm going to add okay. another layer in there. To, <laughs> sure, to fuck please. Yes, so please I'm do. Gonna please do. A, I'm going to add another layer in there to fuck with you a little bit, right? <laughs> so have you ever uh, thought had the philosophical question of uh, what came first, language or thought? Have you oh. ever no. had that oh. experiment? Because we think, with, we think with language, right? When right. we're in our minds, thinking, we're thinking with language. But before spoken language existed, did thought exist? That's a good, yeah, that's we true. Yeah, no, it's an unanswerable. Like yeah, it's it, like, well, there is like feeling, though. I mean, feeling yeah. is like a, a large part of thought, too, yeah. isn't it? So, but even when you stub your toe, you're like, ow, <laughs> like you, yeah. you yeah. have this, like, ah, shit, you have well, all this. Oh, well, I mean, how, well, like, and, and, I guess, I you, guess, I mean, there's pre verbal sounds, too. Yeah. So, I mean, is that mm-hmm. considered language then? Or do you mean like, 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 ah. like, like, a, like uh, a language that has been adapted, like, uh, like, that's been understood by multi, like by more than one person as like this is like this is how we're going to communicate. Let's use pre-verbal as a great example. Right? Okay. The verbalization itself of the feeling mm-hmm. is is this thing. If you couldn't verbalize, do you not have yeah. thought? If uh-huh. are are they completely intertwined? It's a chicken or egg kind of question that really yeah. we can't answer. Mm-hmm. So when you say is God a social construct, I actually uh-huh. pull I pull back away from that at that level, going sure. I, I can't really know if uh god is the thought or the language is yeah. it, you know and how do those two two things interact and it's unanswerable for me so yeah. i just go well i'm using it anyway that and is, that, <laughs> and that, you know that it's it, 
you bring up an interesting dichotomy though like because like the the idea of like thought versus language thought would be uh individualized it's experienced personally but language would have to be social exactly so, yeah so for mm. yeah uh, that's interesting it makes me think of like um I, uh Fierbach, Ludwig Fierbach, when he when he talks about his conception of God as being um uh like er, I guess early man's like inability to recognize that like the fruits of their own labor. Um I think I I I think his 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 conception was that uh, you know when man like first developed and they interacted with their environment and it produced you know, it, it produced like uh, uh, sustenance. It produced fruit for them. They were unable to really recognize that it was the fruits of their label that, that was doing that, and so they conceptualized a type of provider that actually that yeah. that that gave them those things. And and that is not necessarily social, and that's not necessarily uh, recognized like, or that's not uh, that's not necessitated by any language necessarily. It's just your own right. interaction with with your environment. That creates right. this conception of God. So I guess, yeah, it could predate language and and uh, it's, society. It's just we can't. I think what's great about the 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 uh, analogy there is that we can't conceive of thought without our language. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. it's inconceivable for us. We can't actually extricate those two things. Our thought and our language are so intertwined. And I like to use that as uh, an idea for God because it, the insistent nature of God has become so inextricably linked that it's yeah. the same it's the same depth of connection as our our thinking in our language like they're they're just yeah and they and another weird thing is that they say that there's a part of our language and i say they right like uh -huh. i've read something somewhere i've seen it someone could <laughs> fact check me and i could be totally fucking sure. wrong but i have seen things that show that there is a there is a organ inside the brain that what language is your primary language from an early mm -hmm. age it does take on different shapes like it does take so it's funny how the physical and something completely unphysical like language yeah. can again have these sorts of effects on things but to answer i didn't forget you asked a second question which was do i believe in the jesus story and and you know everything that that entails and i do because uh, for two reasons primarily one it was the tradition i was born into right mm -hmm. and that i can't deny that what you are born into deeply is going to affect the way that you just that you relate to the world and to the universe and that i don't say when i say i believe like in the jesus story that i'm like okay and that also then means that those born into other traditions are are wrong and and going to hell i think that i can't shake that i was born into this one and that shapes part of my connection my deep uh sentimental connection emotional um and spiritual connection to it Including but i also resurrection yeah, and I, I also believe in this story uh, because I'm not really a person who's deeply tied to facts, right? So mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll put it this way. I really love when I see Christians arguing with uh, people like, uh, was that guy Mason Menenga on uh, Je Jennifer? What's that guy's oh, name? Oh, I He's love him. He argues with people all the time. Though. All the time. He has way too much energy. I don't argue with anybody <laughs> because I'm like, I don't have time. I've become less of an arguer myself. I can't do it, I can't do it at all. But what I like about it is that it's always people who are getting hung up on treating the Bible like it's supposed to be factual. Mm. Um, and truth and fact are, are completely different things. Mm -hmm. Something that is true and something that is factual are not necessarily both in the same. Like, uh, for me, the Jesus story is true, whether or not it's factual at all. Mm -hmm. And the power of a story, we have all sorts of stories 
that the human race has passed down because of their inherent effect on our ability to relate to one another and to yeah. ourselves. Yeah. So, for, so for me, I'm like, I don't need yeah. it to be factual. I don't yeah. need I don't need the things for it to be doing and working on me in the way that it has. And without that story, without that tradition, I wouldn't have explored Marx. I wouldn't have explored, right. you know, I wouldn't have explored, uh, you know, my relationship to the community in, in deeper ways. I, it, it was the catalyst for all those things. And for that alone, um, making me who I am, I, I don't want to reject it. I, I instead like accept it as like, yes, it's this part of me. And also when I was in high school, I was a uh, extremely conservative homophobic kid who mm-hmm. like, you know, had all the issues of of shame and guilt that so many people who talk about uh, religious trauma had. And I am a, I'm a person who's come now at 37 years old and going like, I've come away from all that, but retain the parts of it that made me a better person and leaving all that other shit behind and being able to change. Yeah. And I think that's sort of what deconstruction is like. And speaking of deconstruction, right. let's talk about construction. Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> let's, get, let's get real. Can I swear on this can, podcast? Is yeah, that all right? Can, can oh, we? Oh, man. Um, did I not set the precedent? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Yeah. No, I think you guys are um, really smart. I'm always surprised. Brandon was like, I didn't really research, which, like, I never researched any guest i did i tried really hard on the art person that's the the one um what's his name the one who added the one who added us on what what app did i download whatsApp. yeah i did ernesto Ernesto. yeah yeah ernesto Ernesto. and uh melissa and mickey reese i did for him yeah nice wait did you guys background me a little bit or no I, I, I was about, going to, but uh, I know about you. Yeah, Brandon and I both very similar background lies. to me. Got married young, had kids young from the Church of God. Had like family connections in the Church of God. Um, I do too. Um, later deconstructed. Brandon has another element. You can we, we can edit this out if you don't want me to tell me. But Brandon has another element where he divorced his first wife and remarried oh. her later. Wait, Ooh, what? we can take yes. that out. This is this. Wow. There's no reason. There's no reason. Um, no, I mean, uh, like Abby's dad was here earlier. We were chilling in the living room. Like we, it's a very, uh, my my daughter is my stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second daughter, I should say. I, have, I didn't know uh, that, Brandon. Yeah. So Abigail is oh, my so stepdaughter. You guys got back together years later, then. About almost. Uh, it was a little over four years later. Okay. Okay. Um, but you know, we went through a situation where infidelity was involved mm-hmm. and we you know we separated and then we divorced a year after we separated and we were living our own lives and but we always our our daughter that we had together um reina we always stayed very close did things together we had monthly activities and our relationship always stayed I would say loving, you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's great. We were, wow. we were doing our own thing, but like, I mean, we drove together to the courthouse to sign the divorce papers. And then afterwards, <laughs> yeah. afterwards, we drove to the mall to buy Raina school shoes. So like, you know, <laughs> there was, yeah. and then Abby, uh, Raina's sister, I mean, I've been in her life since she was a baby. Like I gave her one of her first baths and, and, and whatnot. And then when she was a little bit older and me and her mom, me and Missy, my wife, we weren't together. 
there was just this something happened to me like i was like living the bachelor life and i was like cool i'm good with this like and i'm happy i did the marriage thing have a great daughter and we have me and my ex-wife have a great relationship and like i just saw this as like this is going to be my future like and i'm cool with that i wasn't upset wasn't bitter and after a lot of therapy and uh and but something just happened to me uh in in those intervening years uh when my stepdaughter uh she started coming over with my my daughter like i i would just like pick up my daughter and then abby would want to go with her sister Mm. and so i would be like yeah come with us and i just remember there was these early moments where i was like something that was really like had hardened in me like to protect myself began to like really crack Hmm. like and there was some like emotional feelings that i had not resolved but i had kind of cauterized you know in a way burned out but it made me have to confront those things and one of those things was that like i still love you my wife you know i still love you and i hate that this happened and you know if there was ever a shot and no and this was long before i verbalized it long before mm-hmm. i like said it and then there was uh, in 2016 uh we've been separated and divorced for almost almost five years and she just told me she's like i'm gonna leave randy i'm gonna leave abby's dad and i was like oh okay she's like <laughs> yeah and i'm like and in my head in in the moment we got off the phone i was i had determined in that minute I'm going to shoot my, like, I'm going to, I'm going to try this back together. <laughs> oh, right? yeah. And then I had no, but I had no guarantees of like, will this work or, or, you know, will she feel the same way? Mm-hmm. It was all, it was like from the start, right? It was yeah. like going back to square one. And uh, let me tell you, getting back together is like having a divorce in reverse. It is as emotionally grueling and like kind of terrifying as having a divorce, but you do it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and i and that's the way i described it to people and then we eventually we got remarried in 2020 and uh it's just the best because um i love my wife she's the only woman i've ever loved like this i've loved other people yes but this is it's it's by far the most different kind of experience i've had than i had with anybody else and uh also just having the girl like my daughters and my life every day and getting to and and abby's dad lives literally like three blocks from us we have a fine relationship uh him and my wife they don't <laughs> okay sure sure theirs is a little Fair bit more enough. touchy but me and yeah. him were like whatever you know like yeah and, yeah uh, so it's like that's life man wow. and people people all the time they hear a story like that they're like oh i can never do that it's crazy blah, blah, blah. i'm like listen man like you don't know what you could do. Yeah, you don't know what you could do. Yeah. No, I mean, like, yeah, the time apart, like, to realize that, the like, oh yeah, that that was the thing. Like, yeah. I mean, that's. I was just reading about that recently, actually, about people like to go on breaks and like they get back together like months or years later, and it's like, yeah, I mean, like you're choosing at that point to actually do it. You're not just going with yeah. the flow, or yeah, you're not going in blind like all everybody, everybody else, like all of us no. fucking and- feeling around the dark. Jennifer probably can understand this. Are you guys married? No. No. Okay. Jennifer, you'll probably understand this then much more than our compatriots here. Uh, <laughs> is that when it when when I had the knowledge like I'm this marriage is going to end, I thought I was gonna die. Like I I didn't think I could survive it. Like there was a part of me that was so deeply afraid 
that it would be the end of me. Oh um, yeah. That it, it was it was like a, a like a fear of falling off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And but now on the other side of all that, like I've told people, like I I don't have that fear at all. Like that fear, yeah. I, I did it. I survived it. Doesn't mean that I didn't do it easily. Didn't mean I didn't struggle with like terrible like drinking and mm-hmm. and doing irresponsible things and getting counseling and and therapy and coming out stronger on the other end. But like truthfully, I it sounds cliche, but it's like no, I learned what I could really survive. Yeah, and it was my deepest fear. It was my my parents had been divorced, and it was like the thing I feared the most. And it's like I had to actually live through it and like mm-hmm. go through that. And like the person I am now, I'm like, I would not undo. And that sounds so fucking cliche, but I would not undo. I would not undo any of those things because I look back at that other person and I'm like, I hate that guy. Like that guy sucked. And I'm like the person I became so much more like I respect myself. Like yeah, I, I have a self-respect yeah, I mean, that I didn't have. It's yeah. a tra- I mean, it's more than, more than a cliche. It's a tradition, like just walking through the coals and everything, like jumping through the fire. Like, you- yeah, it's it's that's the hero's journey. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, right. it's a trope. <laughs> it's a trope for a reason. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think all the time, like, like, I mean, I like I don't I don't think Daniel would leave me at this <laughs> point. I don't think we would ever get divorced. We're already like polyamorous. We're already like we're totally like codependent like we've already seen each other's worst we've already seen each other like have completely different beliefs than we used to together um but you know like if he or ty ever decided to leave me i think it would be pretty devastating but more than that like somebody told me like i read on a polyamory board like post actually and it was like all relationships end all of them and it's like Either they either die or like, yeah. Louise. or like, or yeah, like, what kind like, of fucking death cap for cutie song is this? <laughs> Sorry, and it was, and I was thinking, man, and like, I was like, I hope I die first because, like, what if I go through <laughs> yeah. this twice? I hope yeah, they have that, to suffer, yeah. does not be. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I want them yeah, you to get, suffer. Yeah, not you're, me. you're on your own. Yeah. It's like hot yeah. potato. It's okay. At least Daniel and Ty will have each other. They are such good, exactly, such good yeah. buddies. Uh, they wouldn't, but they they have they are almost like they're not codependent because they don't like in like, but they are codependent in like ways that are like unusual. Like they have deal because I never clean any dishes. I make huge messes in the kitchen. I clean zero dishes, and they have That's a deal thing. over like you know who's gonna i don't even know how their system is like who's gonna clean up the kitchen after jennifer this time oh my god are they like uh are they like joey and chandler yeah (laughs) 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 no like no they uh that's sweet that's cute they're they're very like they're like friendly but like one day one day i I was gone for like six i don't remember what it was because i don't have a job or anything Mm. so i don't know what i was doing where i was gone for hours (laughs) i was just walking around in a daze yeah (laughs) and like i came home and daniel had been in the den by himself playing video games and ty had been upstairs in the living room by himself playing video games and i was like why don't you guys talk or spend time together and Daniel would never say this to me because Daniel is is maybe like a little more scared of me than Ty is. So like, <laughs> so Ty Ty was like Jen when this is like the only time we get like silence in the house. Yeah, <laughs> like, got it. Got it. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I like that. I like that system. I I wish I could train my daughters and everyone to uh, do the dishes after I cook because I do the cooking. I- 
Uh, I've been trying to that. This brings us to another thing we were talking about. Um, my kids got so upset about like chores. They're like, we do too many chores. We have too much stuff to do. This is and. I'm sorry. You, I edit out. I I have the sense. I'm sorry, Rob. Just change it to Spartacus. My you, don't have to son, edit, you don't have to edit out my kids' names. My youngest son was okay, like, there's no you. point in that. cleaning the house. And he, my favorite thing is, I was like, how are you going to cook when you're older? And he's just, I'm just going to buy all my food. Was he millennial? ordered. And I... And so <laughs> no. to, what generation is this kid? Yeah. And so to show my kids how important it is to clean the house, I made them watch Hoarders. Ah, what? That's pretty tra- traumatizing, but I respect it. <laughs> That lady's ordering out every day. Wait, <laughs> woman, put it in bags. Make your kids watch hoarders. Oh, hoarders. No, I, yeah. I'm. Okay. No, I, I don't mean really traumatizing. <laughs> okay. I mean, I meant in a joking way. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, it was. I mean, it is like a traumatic <laughs> thing. It's like you know those scared yeah. straight things. Yeah. It's like a scared straight <laughs> tactic. Yeah. I was just gonna say I would watch Jennifer's uh, version of Scared Straight. Where she <laughs> takes bratty kids to hoarders' homes, and we film them reacting to it and being like, "This is your future." Yeah, They're staring into it. And Help she them scares throw them into out, those kids. They, you make the kids stay in a hoarders' home overnight, and then they go back. Oh. You're like, "I'll clean my room. I'll do yeah. it." Yeah, yeah. Or they end up making forts out of it, and they're having the time <laughs> of their fucking lives because they're well, they're the finding poop. all these. Look at this! Look at this! Like, I found another mummified cat. Well, isn't part of hoarders? <laughs> Isn't part of hoarders that like they make them throw shit out? Like I only watch the yeah, it's next girlfriend. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, oh I mean, so you can't make them do anything. But well, yeah. like you're on. They don't TV. give them therapy or nothing. They just fucking rip it out. Exposure therapy. I mean, yeah, the thing that conservatives. Reality love. shows yeah. can make their contestants do crazy shit. P- these people are like such normal poor people, unlike like yeah. actors and. Other I never, people. I never, I never figured hoarders to be a reality show though. I thought it was like a documentary series. <laughs> I mean, it's the They're same all, thing. It, it's, it's not all the same drama. thing. It's, not it's the all same sort thing. of a reality you show. You it's like it's all the same beats, though. What's that? I mean, it's, it's like, the same beats, but like as a documentary, like eh. listen, they don't. You don't expect the filmmaker to take your shit. They do, though. <laughs>